0: Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 123. Today we're on location in Texoma, Oklahoma with my good friend Jared McDaniels and Aaron Finnell. And Jared,
1: how you been, buddy? I'm good. Okay. And this will be Ag Uncensored episode 31. I think we're going to try to do what's called a swap cast. Isn't yeah. that what it is? I think it's something like that.
0: Something like that. And I'm, I'm excited about it. So we'll see. Uh, it's kind of like one of those deals where you... You have your favorite TV show, and it's one of those crossover. It's a crossover episode.
1: They'll be like, this could be the greatest thing ever. This might be the biggest shipwreck that ever happened. (laughs) Like if Fall Guy was on the Dukes of Hazzard. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He probably was at some point as an extra.
0: Or he made his way to Gilligan's Island, but he got off, but nobody else did. Yeah, but he said, two of your favorite shows. (laughs) <laughs> that's so true now you guys are on your way to Amarillo Amarillo yeah we're gonna Aaron and I are going to go down to Amarillo we're gonna hope to get there by morning hope to oh well the, yeah it'll <laughs> be a long evening we're <laughs> only two hours away <laughs> we're going down to the Custom Harvesters Convention we have a booth down there for uh, the company we work for but Aaron and I are going to be speakers at it so they, I guess they trust us that we know what we're talking about I guess Casey's going to be a speaker, and I got drugged
1: along. So. <laughs> you, you're that's a bodyguard. that works, yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, there's somebody else is coming through town here. But it's really neat that you guys actually stopped into Texoma because you have to really want to be here in order <laughs> to end up in Texoma. In fact, whenever I gave you guys directions, I was like, oh, it's on Main Street. You can't miss it. There's just a big M. So was it, was it just like I said? Was it hard to miss or...?
0: No, we I, we drove around the block once and then I came back around. I was like, I know it's right here, man. And what gave it away was your, your flatbed out there oh, yeah. with the cake box on the back. It's like that's gotta be we gotta be on the
1: right street, Bill. <laughs> yep. Yep, the cake box covered in covered in mud dirt and, and snow particles. But <laughs> Yep. So what's been going on down here, man? It looks
0: like uh looks like you guys have got some moisture and little it's kinda of a warm day, but how are things looking down here and, and what do you see happening, man? Well
1: I'd say the wheat was pretty short, it's late, you know, we got it in, uh, harvest was just drug out. We had uh, actually had perfect harvest weather, it was bone dry, you know, everything was good and we got four inches of rain right off the bat. So, you know, we just started we waited and waited and waited and finally when we started we were we were tracking up things pretty bad. But we finished harvest, got cattle moved around the corn stalks, uh, now we just started calving really heavy in the last ten days and that's that's where we're at right now so we're fortunate we're not we're not with some of the people who are very 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 cold like those guys up you know north midwest yeah that just looks miserable i I feel sorry for them because you know we're 35 40 degrees sun shining Uh, you know things are things aren't bad things are slow i think that everybody's kind of it feels like guys are just playing groundhog game like they just yeah. keep doing the same thing for the last couple of years it's you just get through it get harvest start marketing looking next year i mean it, it reminds me of the 2000s whenever it was just you know you just kind of every year you just cranked it out there wasn't wasn't anything just crazy outlier as far as like great crops bad crops great prices bad prices you know it reminds me how it used to be but yeah just kind of there right yeah
0: that's what we're seeing too i mean the guys we talk with and that we come through in our area that we have up there in Nebraska Panhandle and eastern Colorado it's the same way you know mm-hmm. there's not a big i mean conditions are about the same guys are kind of getting ready to go start get the plan out and dust it off and, <laughs> and see what they can go out and make one more round and, and things are things are going good we could probably we could use some moisture um i'm kind of anxious to see what happens with the weather know, i've had a couple guys on that have talked about a prolonged winter into into late into april you know and yeah and, and that old polar vortex thing and all that stuff so we'll see how that plays out maybe see some weather events that that change some things but
1: we got to have something with trying to figure it out before too much gets carried away uh, yeah do, do you guys think i mean in the equipment business has that slowed things down do you think that the, the trade stuff and guys, you know, maybe not getting as much for... Of course, they're getting a big soybean check, I guess. But I don't know. Does it transfer it over where, where that has slowed things down in equipment? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. But not... It it has very... It's, it's had a big impact on it, but not as dramatic as I thought it might be, yeah. you know, as far as that goes. Because year-end, I would say... You know when when that all hit and midsummer, early summer, it got real quiet real fast. Oh god, pull,
1: I would imagine that it was iron. it was probably uh, yeah. like a ghost town in some of the yeah. some of these dealerships. And then, right then August was a little bit of a perk. September was great.
2: October, the dust kind of settled a little bit, and then November was kind of a ramp up. December was crazy good. Really? January was crazy good.
0: So.
1: We'll guys, are, guys are still moving iron, huh?
0: Yeah,
1: that's well, crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of
0: it too is and if you look at. So we, we track a lot of things when you look at hour ranges. Yeah, you we know, started doing that. We start looking at different hour range buckets and how what's in there and how many pieces are in there between combines and 175 plus horsepower tractors and then 100 to 174 horsepower tractors and sprayers, right? Yeah. Um, and you start tracking how many pieces are in there, and what you're seeing is, you know, obviously there's not a lot of one and two year old machines coming in because obviously there wasn't that many that have been sold.
1: In yeah. The time frame. Well, do you think guys are just like Hell, the heck with it? I'm just going to keep driving it. Well, really, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take it to the warranty or maybe a little past. Mm-hmm. Just keep pushing that envelope. I think
0: what you're what you're seeing now in those graphs is that when you start looking at the the tail end of that 2,000 plus range, yeah, you there, there's a ton of equipment that's got 2,000 plus hours on it, and I think it was 175 horsepower tractors and, and greater. I have to go back and look, but and which saying a 2,000-hour tractor is, is, by any means, any stretch of anyone's imagination is wore out is, is not true. Oh, yeah. That, that used to be like right. broken in. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. On those tractors, you probably should model it out to like 7,500 hours and see yeah. you know, how many more machines out past 7,500 hours are there. But See,
1: that's that's an interesting point because yeah. my question, you know, some of my stuff's got seven 8,000 hours. And I'm like, well, yeah. it's still... It's still like a usable piece of equipment yeah. for the foreseeable future, at least yeah. in my operation. But what? Yeah. So, what do most? I'm just curious. Dealerships or people that are on your side, where do they look at that range from? From where it's brand new to when it's done. Yeah.
2: That can be honest to god all over the board, just depending it, on how they yeah. take care of it. Yep. Just yeah. depending on how. Well, and and a big factor of that, as much as hours, is specs on it. You know, if you take a John Deere eight thousand, for instance, and it's ILS IVT loaded up, five thousand hours, yeah. there's still a hell of a lot of goody in that rig versus the you know couple model sizes smaller regular front end power shift tranny, you yeah. know, kind of base. There's a there's a bigger difference. In those two, other than just say they're the same year, same yeah. same hours, there's a bigger difference in those two market-wise than just price difference between the two back when they were new, you know, and depreciation going yeah. down. There's a there's a bigger gap on those dollar for dollar now than you know rolling out of the factory, yeah. and that's just because of market demand.
1: And where you can go with those machines. Yeah. I'd imagine the power shift that's going to like a feedlot and the and the one with all the bells and whistles probably going back out to the farmer. A it's lot of the a lot of times, that's very, very true. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The bigger
2: the bigger thing even above even above transmission is whether it's a straight front axle or, or ILS. I, oh, uh, I straight fronts, yeah. you know, you get them things all the way up to you know, it's no different than than the crop community yeah you know when you're looking at feedlots and dairies there's the ones that buy new mm-hmm. there and there's the ones that buy three thousand hours seven thousand hour, you know all the way on down oh yeah and and they like that because it's
1: one less thing to
2: grease to maintain all yeah that kind of stuff. well it's so. crazy
1: because it wasn't this harvest but in the end of 17 we had uh a good tractor go down we had to rent one and we rented i think it was like an 8 thirty five. It hours of newer tractor but it had a front axle solid axle and it was almost you know i hadn't seen one of those and you know all of course all of the 50 series all those older ones had it but most of these new ones it's all right. good suspension so and it was funny because the the grain cart guys they griped a little bit about you know going over tracks with that they could definitely tell a difference and mm-hmm. but you know it never dawned on me that Anymore, it's all most of what we see around here is all independent suspension, right? And it just rides, you know, everybody's kind of used to it, yep. so it's like a throwback is to the straight right. axle, right? But, but, but you know, I could it's like a brand new 8400. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but can you imagine that there was a time that. Like, that was a cat's meow. Well, I mean, having, that was like the, having the mechanical nicest thing. front was a cat's meow. Well, yeah. you know? I mean, I green carded many, many a load with a two wheel drive and damn deep pivot tracks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and you can imagine, just like every time we get a blizzard, I mean, it's, we don't, at least here, we don't realize how thankful we are for front wheel assist or some of that stuff until you try to go feed in an old two wheel drive and yeah. it just pushes the snow around and you bury the back end. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, all that stuff, we almost take it for granted that it should just be like, like, I see this in cars everybody has uh, power windows power logs I mean those things are just standard where it used to be that was the luxury right right so it, it is kind of funny as, as a guy who buys tractors. you know I, I'm I always look at the new ones and say that'll be nice in about 20 years when it, when it, when it, when it shows up on my <laughs> <Right>. place <plugins." laughs> yeah and yeah. and it's about I'm about a 10 15 year lag like you know I'm running 60 series combine uh I guess I'm in an eighty-five thirty deer. So you know, there's kind of that's my sweet spot. I like to buy them with four, three, four thousand hours, but not wore out, and then try to go. You know, I'm kind of playing roulette. If I'm at seven thousand, I'm not going to trade it because it's it's a better feedlot tractor for me, and I'm just going to be like, let's see how far this sucker will go. Maybe I'll get to ten. Maybe I'll get to seventy nine ninety nine, and be like, I should have traded this thing. You know? <laughs> right. That's kind of the, of course, for a long time and I'm right here on highway 54 and that runs all across America. And this is like the main interstate for equipment headed to Mexico because there's trucks all the time going up and down that sucker and they just stack every, you know, any piece they can fit on there, they stack and it goes to Mexico. But for a long time, it it was hard for me to to try to buy combines because everything I was looking at was getting loaded up and taken out of here. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's that's another thing is like how do you, how do you see like what happens to the whenever I get like the my theoretical eight thousand hour tractor when it gets nine ten thousand and nobody wants it really where does it go then
2: Well, there's there's a it, yeah. that's the number one destination probably Yeah, I mean I've sold R series feedlot tractors that and they only had five six thousand hours on them. Yeah. And that's where they went was Mexico. Really? You know, like 8, 235 R's, straight axle IVT, and they went to Mexico. Yeah. And that floors me, you know, to think that anything newer than a fifty fifty five series or oh, yeah. 9600 combine exactly. would go down there, but... They're taking the 50s if, and the 60s series. and
1: I, Oh, yeah. S-series combines right and left. It's, yeah. It's all about the dollars. That's I think, all it is. I think there's a cult that is going to keep the 9770s in vogue for the next 20 years. I think there's oh, enough yeah. people that don't like the S-series, and there's going to be like like the 9770 will be that classic that everybody's like, they should have stopped making them then. Mm-hmm. Right. At least that's a, I hear that in the <laughs> kind of like a – underground talk this is like man i I wish i kept my 70 series anyone you talk to that's that's a john deere combine guy said the 9770 is the best combine they ever made yeah it's like they it's but what the weird thing is is that okay they reach this they've they've topped the mountain but you have to keep going so they had to go reinvent the wheel almost yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah we see that i mean we you know as as
0: as inventories my biggest concern right now when you look at used equipment is not so much um the amount of inventory that's out there, mm-hmm. it's the amount of inventory with a lot of hours on it. That's yeah. what my biggest concern is. So when you look at like I was talking about that chart earlier, you know, if you look at and again I'll use tractors because it's the most audacious fact that I can throw out there right now. But yeah, from zero to two thousand hours, there's like probably five thousand tractors out there on on the market. You know, without having my notes in front of me, it's something yeah. right around there. When you go above 2,000, there's like 7,300 tractors out and listed on the internet that you can look at that have more than 2,000 hours on them, right? So if you start breaking that down into, you know, from 2,000 to 3,000 to 3,000 to, to 5,000 and 5,000 to 7,000, I bet you'd be surprised how many machines are actually in that five to 7,000 bucket. And then really actually how many are more. And a lot of that is because in 2000, 13 if you want to peg that as when the the down cycles kind of started and the cost of trade really took off and really yeah. got high you're looking at guys that have ran their machines that would have normally traded that machine probably three times if not more yeah in that they, time frame and they just kept it and they they just ran kept it. using it so you have a lot of 2012 13 14 model machines that have got that would normally get 700 hours a year put on it if there's a tractor that Now have twenty one hundred hours on them. Yeah, never got traded back into the life into the cycle of 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 the trade down the way. Same with combines. You got guys that put two three hundred hours or whatever it might be on that combine every year. Mm -hmm. Um, They've done that for the past five years, and they got a thousand hours on their combine now. And that's that's really where we're seeing. What I'm saying is what's pushing guys into buy stuff there's no more money in the marketplace right now than there was yeah. in 2000 it's just that they finally have reached the end of that rope like they have to do something yeah, some guys have put there. 20 grain into a combine two or three times now
1: oh yeah you I'm know? one of those guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think I've got like 4 thousand engine hours and 34 35 I mean you know it's it's at that point but but you know, we've got a good local deer mechanic, guy, you know, kinda of one of those old wizards that's been yeah. around fixing things since the straw walker days. And you know, he he takes it and he goes through it and and I know that I'll get a couple years before we really has to you know, most of what we can do on shop, yeah. in on site, you know, kind of those five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar years and then mm-hmm. about every second or third you're just gonna just take it in and say, I'm gonna bite the bullet and you all just right. you just say like, fix it all. Yep. And i guess metal fatigue is probably the biggest thing my against me now is it just time and you know, yeah, yeah. time and wear and stuff's gonna break or little cracks it'll go ahead and give yeah
0: but yep. so that's that's one of the things we're seeing guys now is that they've they've kind of hit that is it when they're looking at cash flow and they're looking at you know what what their machine is worth compared to what it's going to be to fix it again and do I need to just maybe take my fifteen
1: hundred hour combine and yeah. turn it into eight hundred hours? And, then, oh, that's, and run it again. That's exactly where I see. You know, and that's kind of like I think it was a forty four forty. That you know, as, as a kid, I grew up riding the armrest. So this was like the one that had been around since probably bought new. And I think it was two years ago. You know, we were feeding with it, mowing, still doing everything that you know. You don't push it, but it finally the transmission went out, and it was. You know, they just—it was some ungodly number just to crack it open and and look at it. I'm like, well, that's like three to four times what the tractor's worth. Mm-hmm. You know, it just so it does reach that point, like you just can't feasibly fix it anymore. Yeah, but there then, are some
0: guys that that do that same thing right there, and they don't want uh, a 7530 to replace it with. You know, they don't want a. a you know, a, a
1: small eighty two hundred. They want you know, like an old school, yeah, because you know, nope, I need sound to, guard cab, that yeah, whole yeah, thing. I mean, there's there's, uh, st- there's
0: too much electrical stuff on a hot series tractor form or something like that. You know, oh whatever yeah, it be, you know, I agree. There's there's guys like that that will spend the money to fix it. You know, but it is. I mean, the bad thing about it is you got however many hours you had on it twelve
1: thousand. Oh yeah, 1, it is probably too, you know. I think twelve thousand right around there. You have 12,000 hours on everything else around that new transmission, too. <laughs> so that's, that's the bad thing. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a... You know, and that's it's funny. I, I wonder if people look at their equipment the same way they do with their cars. You know, because some people, you get 100,000 miles, they're like, a car's wore out. And then some people are like, I'll tell I'm running it to 400,000, depending on diesel or whatever it is. But, right. you know, it's... I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm just curious if, do you guys trade things kind of like they do their vehicles on that, or is it, is it a such, different mindset?
0: It's such a one off thing, man. Some guys are we're trading every year. Yeah. And a lot of the really mega big guys, you know, they trade every year because they want to have, their, they're so fixated on their cost of operation. Yeah. Not that other people aren't, but I mean, that's a like big thing to them that that warranty cost. Above them, yelling that, warranty cost is a big deal. Yeah, you know, so they start really hammering that down. They know that as long oh, as and it, here,
1: I don't and know if, if you can, if you can run the math and you've got enough acres to spread that over, I, I bet you the dollars donuts. They're probably better off because they're getting that little bit. and They're taking their depreciation or whatever and spreading it over those acres. And they just keep keep that sucker rolling. Yeah. It's yeah, I always wonder if it's kind of like uh, musical chairs that once the music stops. That's it's kind of a little bit of that like what happened, then it's like, well crap, now we've got to you gotta pay for that thing or you gonna keep rolling it. Right. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and there and there is a lot of times on those on those bigger deals like that where even if they wanted to keep it, they they're they financially
1: can't. They gotta keep keep it it set up in the system. And as long as as long as they keep farming, you're pretty good. Yep, yep. Yeah, so we, really, we didn't see
0: that though when when, uh, when the economy did contract. Yeah, thirteen to where we're at now, uh, especially going through sixteen. So thirteen to sixteen is really when you saw the realization hit.
1: You know, and it, went, it went from I've got enough money to swing this to yeah. I need to start tightening those purse strings. Yeah. So guys that were like,
0: well, you know, I can do this now because of tax advantages and da 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 da, and those were the first guys to. And we were trading for so cheap back then. Yeah, and it was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Because there was such a it was such bad. a bad ridiculous. Well, but
1: they were also they were they were looking for a. <laughs> the more you spent, the better the tax situation came on right. some of those.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Was it, it was off of like, like 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 yeah. mad money. Yeah, you know. And it, it, the the idea behind, um, you know, every year I'm going to trade this off and do whatever. I mean, we're we're trading for like 30,000 bucks on combines, $50,000 on combines, you know, for one-year-old trades with 300, I mean, just, and even then we're like, I don't know, it seems like an awful lot, but it would make it work. And then now we're like, you know. No, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but, but also too, same so being said, I mean, in 2013, the price of a new combine in 2013, compared to what it is today is almost twice as much. You know, really? You know, so it's,
1: it's changed that you know, much? Oh yeah. That's, and I would have said it was too damn high in 2013. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely throw-up-in-your-mouth ma- throw territory now. Well, you right. guys, you're far enough north, you don't get the cotton stripper-mailer right. deal. But no. that's like the, the new thing down here, because cotton, cotton's moved north. I mean, we, we used to be kind of the northern edge, but hell, it's all the way up in Kansas. Oh, You yeah. probably saw some when, way, when you were coming down, yeah. but... Um, those uh, cotton stripper slash baylor hybrid deals—they're like seven hundred thousand. I don't know what the number is. I just heard that it's like—that's an ungodly amount. Yeah, I don't. I mean,
0: they're they're right on course with uh, you know forge harvesters. You know, those kind of things. They're they're all so specialized, so niched that you know yeah. you have a very you have a thing. But like to your cotton point, you know, I, I'm I grew up in Wichita and in and, and Kansas there, and, and you know, you always had that kind of southern strip there on Mm -hmm. the on of the border where there was always cotton and it was more of a rotational crop back in the 90s it was a big thing for a minute you know and guys completely got out of real crop and were straight up cotton guys and it was crazy then it kind of fell off
1: yeah some guys like went bust in the first cotton boom yeah you know that even happened is because it was you know i always laugh because when you when you leave and here to go to amarillo you drive to dallas you go down 287 and there used to always be cotton strippers parked on the side of the road with "for sale" written in shoe polish. Now I thought those poor poor suckers—they—they they just got done with the field, parked it, wrote for sale because that was my impression of a cotton farmer. Is like it's just I'm done with this crowd. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And so you know, I, that's what I—in my mind, I have a mental image of somebody just finished stripping the field and they pull it to the edge and I I want out I'm done you know crying uncle but it's not that way now but there has been a boom and a bust in the cotton cotton world but there was when I
0: was I went home here uh, right around Christmas time Mm -hmm. and there were fields that I'd never seen like Right around the edge of town where they'd always grow like some soybeans or corn or something like that, you know, maybe some wheat, something like that right around the edge of town. Yeah. Those fields were all gone and they were all cotton. Really? I mean, it was just like, holy crap. And it's like probably 50 miles past where
1: I would normally see cotton. It'd be funny if it starts showing up in like northern Kansas, oh, southern Nebraska. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> because it's just one hard freeze away from just a shipwreck. I mean yeah. you know, they keep pushing I'm sure you can change varieties, you can do a lot of stuff, but you can't ever beat Mother Nature at her own game. Right. You know, that she's gonna smack down and come in here and, you know, throw a freeze in early September or something and it's gonna just it's, I think that there's a, t- a ticking time bomb but I also don't raise cotton so I need to be quiet
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't do all kinds of crazy stuff with hybrids anymore I mean what they can get you know the last three crops we've had have been amazing crops, but not necessarily amazing growing conditions either. No. You know, so that's what they're able to do with genetics and hybrids and other stuff, you know. Well, they,
1: and I've even seen it here pushing some of this low population stuff. I mean, raising dryland corn, you guys probably came, you know, Western Kansas, they kind of led the led the charge about five or six years ago. And, and I think it's a lot of it's just because they were like, we can't keep raising wheat on wheat on wheat right. on wheat on wheat on wheat, you know, that's like, or throw Milo mix in there, but... You know, those guys, they've raised some hell of a lot of really good dryland corn. And I think it's just getting those varieties and getting figured out, like, how are we going to – we're not going to raise 200 bushel dryland, but maybe we can get by with 70, 80, 100. You know, when you hit that mark, and and because it's never been done here, land costs are pretty cheap. You know, it's it's a – if it starts to work, it'll all equalize out, and, you know, things will – we won't be have as much margin as maybe some guys in you – know, nebraska places wherever it it does work but
0: yeah and we're the same way in our part of nebraska and even in eastern colorado where there's not irrigation i mean you're yeah you're not growing no different than here yeah yeah. there's no irrigation it should be desert Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's kind of crazy so where's oklahoma they do you guys
1: legalize hemp right yeah production well no they did uh I think the hemp deal with the farm bill. No, they they legalized uh, medical marijuana for people. Right. That so was the last ballot deal, I guess. Are there many people that have looked at growing talked about growing, you know, uh, CBD oil and that? Well, kind of now since the farm bill passed and, and they got that kind of hemp deal into it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's really crazy because after after the medical marijuana deal passed then the hemp guys really kind of got going yeah and then when it passed in the farm bill it was almost like you had a gas to the fire so there's there's a lot of people out in our area or i think in the whole region and they're uh, they're pushing kind of hey come plant hemp sign up your acres then you can go in here and you know sell the seeds for so much i mean it's it's on paper it looks like it's just going to be a home run mm-hmm. but you know when you talk to people who've actually raised hemp is not as easy as just grabbing the seed, throwing it in the ground, and right. you know. I think there's, I think there's a huge learning curve that's going to have to happen yeah. before guys it do it. And also, there's no, there's no infrastructure. You know, cotton has gins, grain has elevators, livestock has sale barns and feedlots. But you know, him, where, wh- what are you going to do with it? Right. I mean, I, you know, it's like you push it, and and it's, it might be an alternative that's going to help, but I don't even know what equipment you use to cut it. Like, how do you harvest him? Mm-hmm. Bailey, right, well, I so mean, right uh, now, you guys. Are, I hope you know because I don't.
0: So on, I did uh, on one twenty two, right? Yeah, one twenty two. I had um, Kristen Nichols from Hemp Industry Daily. They have a, some a magazine.
1: Okay, you know, that's because I- now they've been raising it in Canada and even Eastern Colorado. Like they've been doing it. Yeah, have, right. have guys <laughs> nailed how to how to how no, to make it? Not at all. Um, I don't want
0: to say none at all. It's not right because they have been obviously, but they're 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 a
1: couple of years ahead, but they're still on that learning
0: curve, right? When I was talking with her, I mean, basically, the way she put it was so the 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 flower part, the seeds and stuff, that's where you get the CBD oil from, and that's the most profitable part of the plant, right? Yeah. And that's, she said that's still very manual. Like, go out in the field and pick it with your hands.
1: And Yeah, that's not feasible. That's not sustainable.
0: that's going to limit your growth, man. I mean, you're
1: going to. Yeah, I mean, because you're talking like maybe a five acre plot instead of, yeah. you know, 120 acre circle. Yeah, or, right. Yeah. I so, mean, it looks like you're growing a pigweed. Yeah. I mean, it looks like you might as well go out and be like, all right, we're going to take some palmer or some <laughs> thistle or kosher. <laughs> right. but, but we're only going to grow this one, and there has to be another one. Like, what are you going to do to control? the weeds inside the weeds I mean because it I don't there's no there's no chemical platform that's set up for like a pre-emerge for this stuff if there is I don't know about it no it's still very much in it's uh, it's like wild west well you're bringing something that was on the black
0: market forever into you know it's not I mean it's it's nothing like even like alcohol you know what I mean yeah so when they quit you know alcohol prohibition is over and you could go back and you could start ginning your own alcohol again it wasn't. I mean, you get some corn or wheat or whatever. Yeah, you can it is. ferment
1: something and just yeah, whatever. Whatever you're going to ferment to make whiskey or vodka yeah. or whatever it is, and it was something do. that had yeah. already been done. Yeah, like there's already the technology and the, and the knowledge, and there's an infrastructure put up there. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you put it
0: in a jar someplace and you sell it to somebody. When they come into the grocery store or whatever. Yeah. Right. You
1: know, and, and that now, was like a, the the back room. Backroom uh, black market that was probably in prohibition, but it it, and and there's and with the advent of the medical marijuana deal, of course, in Oklahoma anyway, you can apply to be a grower, a distributor. It's kind of a cash grab, and then Oklahoma figured out, well, we're going to sell licenses, but you have to renew every couple years and. I mean, I, I, I'm I, not going to touch a license because you end up in a database and it's still going to – could really mess up your federal programs, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you even on a state level sign up in some of this. So I think there's still some work to do with, like, making it really practical as far as guys trying to do it. But um, there, there's people that are going to sign up and, and grow actual medical marijuana and then try to sell it, you know, within the state. Yeah. But –
0: I think what's what you're gonna see with that on the hemp thing, especially now because it's with what's in the farm bill and how they've legalized mm-hmm. it, which will absolutely transition into someday
1: it'll be an insurable crop. Yeah, I mean that's on. you know, that yeah. whenever they can but there's another problem is, you know, they're the way they scale things is it has you know, hemp is actually just has a lower THC, but it's almost the same plant. Well, what if you cross pollinate or Mother Nature says this is a great growing season and kind of tricks that plant into changing its chemical composition. Well, you went from raising a fiber food crop in hemp to now you might have an entire field of something that's deemed illegal based upon what mother nature tricked the plant into yeah. doing and i don't know i don't know how the plant works yeah. i don't know that's if bad. it
0: can change itself or not so what you're seeing now she brought this up when i was when i was talking to her on my last podcast there is a uh, a case in idaho and i think oklahoma is what she said mm-hmm. where someone had uh, state troopers who pulled this truck over bloated to the gills with hemp, right? So they swing the door open, they're like, "Oh, that's marijuana." <laughs> you know? well, it, I think it looks the same, <laughs> it looks the same, I mean, smells the same, everything about it's the
1: same. Yeah, like you can't tell you one apart. So See, course, that's going to be a huge issue. Like, imagine being a cop and like you're still like your job is to stop this, but then all of a sudden it just became legal in your state. So, are you going to go run by everybody's back door or you know their backyard where they're growing hemp? And I mean, it, it's. It opens this huge Pandora's box, I think. Yeah. And I think what that's ultimately
0: what that will turn into. The same way when, when California was the first state to legalize medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went from being, it's still, the feds said, hey, this is against the law. You can't do this. This is a yeah Schedule One
1: narcotic, so on and so forth. But it's kind of amazing how the whole society as a group kind of thunder nose at that. Because yeah, they just, they just kept it, the states kept moving it, yep. marching it east a little bit. Yep, and and the, the law enforcement out there are like, whatever,
0: you know, yeah, we're not going to do anything. And I think this is what's going to cause like the entire United States to
1: become, you know, this is going to be like Canada where they've legalized marijuana. Oh, for, I'm sure. Or whatever. You I'm sure. It it will be interesting to see. And and I know from like you talk about the hemp, that's kind of been a discussion. Okay, wh- where's going to Where we take the seed, where we're going to take the fiber, and and that was alluded to earlier. What's like? How do you harvest it? I've seen those pictures on the internet where it looks like a giant silage harvester with a like a platform at the top and a chopper head on the bottom, and it's like they cut the seed and it goes one way, and then they chop it up, look almost like silage. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I I have a
2: friend in Oregon who he's in the equipment business, and he has a customer doing the fiber textile part of it and that's what they do they swath it and bale it and run it through big old tub grinders and really run it through
1: again and run it through again so is it just turned into like wood pulp because i've been yeah. to, i've been to a paper factory yep. very, where they take similar. wood chips and you know i'm sure they acetone you know they do something to break it denature it and then kind of recombine it so maybe that's you know yeah. like a giant wood pulp factory but that's kind of hard to imagine, especially out here in the Plains where there's no trees, that now we could be somewhere that actually produced... Paper. Paper, yeah. yeah I mean, you could, you could almost put a paper mill in the middle of a desert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? right, yep. That And that may be, you know, we're, we're all thinking about, okay, how's this going to work as far as like, how are we going to raise it, how are we going to cut it, what are we going to do with it? But I always say you look 10, 15 years down the road... So, there's gonna be so many industries that shoot off of the of the business that's being built look at ethanol i mean yeah. ethanol was something that started but a huge benefit that i have is ddg cubes yeah. they ship them all the way from nebraska down here because they can take the ddgs pack them down put them in make cake out of them and i feed them to cattle yeah. and it's it's awesome cattle feed because it's high protein high fat But before ethanol, that wasn't even necessarily an option because it didn't exist. So that's an example of one thing that because of the industry, ethanol industry evolved and became and was created, now you have this little thing that affects me out here in the middle of nowhere where we don't have ethanol plants. Well, and a good point with ethanol. I think
2: almost nationwide... There's way more benefit
1: to the byproducts than the ethanol itself. I think so. I mean, without question, I, I, if you talk to cattle guys, DDGs are, are awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly. it's probably a better feed stuff than corn itself oh, when yeah. you look at it. I mean, and now I probably did away with a ton of alfalfa acres nationwide because it kind of you know took that alfalfa hay demand and, and supplanted it. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, so so in that same vein or the idea, you've got this hemp industry kind of being built or, or trying to figure out what it is who knows 10-15 years that there won't be you know maybe not hemp oil but you know like just something that's an offshoot that nobody ever saw coming because yeah. i guarantee you the the maybe the ethanol guys knew about ddgs but i think they used to be like how are we going to get rid of these not oh yeah I think how are we going to make a ton of money off it was it? <laughs> a byproduct that they had no idea what they were
0: going to do with i think it was yeah. a lot of it and then because back home there's there's a there's an ethanol plant in bridgeport and which is right outside of Scott's Bluff. Mm-hmm. And there's trucks coming in out of that They thing all 24 7, just full of distiller grain, just
1: yeah steaming pile of. of T- chipping them out as wet yeah. or, or dried or. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I mean, that's kind of like, a, that's how ammonia started. Right. Did you know that it was a, just a byproduct of, of the refinery process? And it just used to be something they'd shoot out in the air, and finally some guy, some farmer, took it and knifed some in the ground, and lo and behold, he raised a hell of a wheat crop or whatever it was, and then now anhydrous is, you know, it's a sought after. They probably make as much on some of that as they do the the other refined products. Yeah. yeah. But it just used to be trash. I mean, ethanol <laughs> so. is one of
0: those is one of those kind of commodities. I'm I'm curious to see what happens with it in in five years. Yeah. Because it's you know it's obviously it's a it's a fuel that they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with, and with more and more. Electric cars showing up, and we yeah. actually master like the whole, uh, you know, electric semi that they can run and, and actually do it without having to go 200 miles and stop and charge and, and go. You know,
1: that's going to have a big effect on ethanol and, and, and fuel yeah. in general. You know. Well, and that's something that I think that whenever they first did the biofuels and everything, that's something that caught them off guard. Is whenever they started doing their modeling for how much ethanol is going to be used this far out. Well, they didn't think take into account that all these old cars, you know, the old hot rod, mm-hmm. you know, box type Chevy pickups were getting parked, and people were buying newer, more fuel efficient stuff. So all of a sudden, that gas demand just kept going down and down because all the cars got more efficient. We were getting more mileage out of everything. So therefore, the amount of ethanol that they projected to use actually didn't meet some of that because hell, people just had better better mileage cars. Yeah. I don't mean. I would think that like you know gas getting cheap would make guys want to go get like an old '86 Chevy or you know something that didn't have all the emissions crap on it. But unless it's just for a hobby, I guess no one buys them to drive anymore. But right, that's
0: a good point. I mean, you look at you look at the way all this stuff is shaking up. Like what you said, we drove from Scottsbluff this morning down to. Elkhart, Kansas, on one tank
1: of gas. Yeah, on accident. I mean, on accident. <laughs> wasn't no I was going to say, for those that don't know, when you're driving across Western Kansas, if you don't get gas at the town, you better have enough to get to the next one because it's about fifty or sixty miles in between. And that's what
2: we did. He goes, "Ooh, fifty miles to empty." So I look up my phone Craig, I'm like, "We're all right."
0: <laughs> were all in town about fifteen miles to go. So <clears throat> yeah, but that was a three hundred and fifty mile or so. John, one tank of gas you yeah. know and that was now obviously there wasn't any wind or anything like that but I have a Ford pickup mm-hmm. you know and the, the old 81 Chevy
1: pickup I had growing up sure as hell wouldn't have made no, that, wouldn't have no made that think about it gas. well and, and that's something that I've always I'm, I'm intrigued by because I'm just getting into the equipment that has all the either the def or you know tier 365 generation whatever the hell that is <laughs> right. I don't even know and and it's kind of frustrating because it's like, well, I'm either going to carry around a bunch of death, or I'm going to have this screen that that gets pissed off at me because I need to stop and regenerate, and and that's like a whole nother change because I'm sure the tractors are more fuel efficient, but they also come with this baggage of this emissions crap, right? Like, how big of you guys have you guys have kind of been in it long enough? You've seen go from none of this to it's on all that shit, right? I mean, what do you think about? all that stuff that's on there now you know for the most part it's like anything
2: else i mean it yeah there's more stuff on it yeah there's more electronics and all that but if a guy maintains it yeah we for for the guy that's always pushing 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 you know when it says add def or you
1: let it get way down. You actually need to do what the what the yeah. machine tells you to, <laughs> you know, a, lo- a little maintenance goes a hell of a long way with See, it. See, you know, I'm, I'm 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 looking at it at the farmer's angle and I'm sure you guys are probably like, "Damn, these guys like to gripe about the admission stuff." And and we well, probably we do don't too. we probably we don't take it a, all we better. probably don't take as good care of it as I mean, you probably nailed it in that yeah, it's like oh, well, I can go for the rest of the day with a little bit of death or something. You know, there's always kind of that trail in right? I don't know it's just it's always seemed to me like they just are they done adding layers of admission like are are, are we going to keep going from where we're at right now
2: I remember when we were in tier 3 and they were talking you know interim we had the interim tier 4 and then final tier 4 and I was at a sales training thing for mother deer and they were talking about they were showing the, what do they call that? The exhaust emissions are called the NOX. The, the diesel particulate thing? No. Well, that's that's what the filter is. But whatever that that NOX, which is basically what the exhaust is, yeah. is so clean on tier four, it is cleaner than being... You know, in the middle of Nebraska sand hills where there is no smokestack of any kind anywhere. (laughs) The
1: air quality is that good. The air
2: quality is cleaner coming out of the damn exhaust pipe than what you could breathe in but
1: but we done so, all this to right. to what extent like i mean how much cleaner does it need to get yeah i mean it, it's cleaner than the air now so <laughs> what do you do <laughs> well that's the thing it's, you got to put also, you start you start selling delete kits to people <laughs> so they can do away with it yeah exactly. that's also where the price of equipment jumped up so much oh i'm sure it was i mean I there's know. always
0: if you look at from a 9600 to a to your 9660 yeah there's not an incredible leap in price right for, now. for
2: as different as the machine
0: is right exactly, yeah, exactly. for what you're getting right you bet. but now if you got if any, anyone listening to this that wants to be pissed off at somebody about the price of the machine call your local congressman and bitch at him about <laughs> what the EPA did to, to clean air quality and, and all that kind of stuff I mean that's that's what drove the price of equipment Yeah, there. I mean you're talking about the amount of R&D and the amount of everything that goes into that I mean They had to completely reinvent the wheel on how they were going to get something that was normally burning 100 parts per million down to 15 parts per million. Yeah. You know, and that 100 is probably off, it's probably more than that. But I mean, how are you going to filter that exhaust down to the point where, you know, the coolest thing I ever saw in my life in my limited time in this business is I went to South Africa once Mm -hmm. and we were over there trying to sell some equipment and there was a Eight three thirty five R something like that in the in the field working and they were pulling this in this particular part of South Africa they were pulling this ripper and it had shanks that were like forty eight inches long you know and they did were they go all the way in that thing to the <laughs> ground <right? laughs> they're probably ripping up like old trees that that used <laughs> and to it was, grow there yeah. but it, it would drive through and it would hit the hard pan and it would kind of level like that and it would still blow black smoke out of the out of the stack really. And then the same machine back in the US would do the exact same job and it would burn clear. You would just see the heat coming out of the stack. So it's has nothing to do with you know anything that needed to be done other than you know the European Union and you know, the United States and Canada all got together and said we want to do this, even though China's putting up a new coal whole coal plant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, it's
1: totally fun. Yeah, We're going to lead the way. And you know, the crazy thing is is all those people, they do it with the best of intentions. Like, I don't think they're actually malicious, but sometimes the, the end result for their good intentions does just kind of cause this weird effect downstream. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much so that, you know, like we have nothing to do with deciding these tier regulations other than maybe we vote once every four years for somebody. But other than that, you know, that's just handed down and we have to deal with it so that's a that's a weird it's kind of a loss of control in the whole thing it's just we're, we're doing what everybody else says because they think it's a good idea yeah you know in, in any other part of your business you'd probably be like go to hell I'm not doing that right but in in this regards you know we've all came to just be like okay that's what we have to do yeah. I mean if you want to buy a
0: certain kind of feed you've been feeding the same feed for 10 years right yeah and you go to the feed store to get some more feed, and they're like, oh, yeah, actually, we don't have that feed anymore. <laughs> we got this feed over here, but you have to buy twice as much of it to get the same effect that you got over here. On exactly. This, you know? Yes. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's the same a, thing. That's you know? a great analogy. That's that's a great way to put it. There it was there for a while. It was, it was uh, what was that thing? They always talked about uh, fluid um, fluid use or something total like that. Total fluid efficiency. There it is. Total fluid, yeah. Because then you were measuring how much diesel fuel and how much depth you were using. And how that calculated together in total fluid use per hour. And that was, a, that was a new way to go out and sell a piece of equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and dear. You're they, kidding me. <laughs> no, they came up with
2: it because Green was the last one to go with DEF. Right? Yeah. AGCO, I think, was first, and then CNH. Yeah. And they made it be what, 11 through 14? So yeah. three years, four model years, actually. They made it with just the filter. And I think it's like a three fifteen Magnum was the most fuel efficient tractor at the Nebraska test that year. Yeah. But by the time you add the def that it burned to get there, and how much the def cost, the deer won. Right. So that was their but that was that their was big counting like, was we're gonna total dig. fluid efficiency, <laughs> not just diesel fuel. See, and that's then crazy. they got to the point where and that was for that was all for interim tier four. Yeah. yeah. And then when final tier four was stamped, and today's of the day your final tier four, there was
1: no way around it. They had to they had to squirt the def in it. So yeah, it was. Well, ultimately that's that's where you know I think it's all going to end up for the time being. But I mean def's just thirty two fertilizer in it. Yeah. I mean that's yeah, kind of it's like it. it's like urea. Yeah, it's urea. Yep. That's all it is. Liquefied urea. Yep. Nothing you could
0: you could if you have extra you can fertilize with it you know and yeah. it's going to be the same it's the same components I mean I don't know if you could actually fertilize yeah. it or not but I mean <laughs> even probably go plug up all the filters it's, it's derived from the same the same thing you know yeah. so it's this whole I mean we're going to start seeing um, more and more of this I think the big next big move is going to be Electric electric stuff. You're gonna know, start seeing. Yeah, because
1: they really haven't done that. No, they they, they haven't. I mean, that's crazy because with all the Tesla and all this, you know, the stuff that's out there that they're pushing in the car realm. I think I've seen like one prototype maybe that somebody did of an electric tractor, but I think one of the it, it might have been a joke because they had like an extension cord being pulled behind <laughs> it. But I mean, it may have been a
2: Photoshop. Well, I know no. New Hol- New Holland's had a full electric or er, electric and hydrogen on the farm yeah. show circuit for really five plus years.
1: But there's got to be stuff where, like you know, that. Where, where's it at? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is it never takes off. Right. And I kind of look at, uh, I laugh whenever, you know, Case came out with their autonomous tractor and they took the cab off. And you look at it and you think, well, if you bought a tractor, why wouldn't you just leave the cab on in case you wanted to use it? You know, it kind of seemed like they were jumping the shark by putting one without a cab, but. I think that's that it looks. Cool. And, and, and it looks cool. It looks cool, but then you start thinking about it and you're like, well, that's stupid. Well, I, I'm just going to buy one with a cab, and you can program it and right. I, I, see. That's another thing. I and I talked with uh, Joe Don from Bassett or Joe Bassett from Dawn, I messed that up. He uh, we had a big long discussion about the autonomy the tractors and and I mean I'm curious to get you guys. This. What do you think that that is realistic coming down the road? As a, oh, farmer, yeah. as a farmer, as a farmer, I think that, like, if you're, if if all I'm gonna do is grease and oil this machine that's gonna drive itself, then why the hell do you need me? I mean, I I'll go do something else. I don't need to just show up and maintain the equipment. I'd rather drive it and be on it and see it. But. I absolutely think that
0: five years from now you'll see that we talk about it all the time. And man. I absolutely don't. Oh, so here we go. The, <laughs> the lines are drawn. So I know. We a, but we have a bet right now between the two of us that in. When did we make that bet? 2017? I think so. Did you do a five year bet? (coughs) Five years. So you're two years into it. 2023, we'll be trading in our our first fully autonomous vehicle. 22. Huh? It'll be 22. It was late, 17.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was was a half year model. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway. We have that. So, what's going to, I think what's going to drive, I mean, the whole point of having an autonomous vehicle is something you don't have to go out and babysit. Yeah. Right? You're just going to turn it loose and let it go do its thing. Right. Yeah. And the only real way that you can do that, like, um, like Dot Industry C Dot.
1: Yeah. See, that. I think the C Dot model might pick up more, but, you know, most of those deals are only 20 foot wide. And I guess maybe they go all day. They can be however wide they need to be, but they so, don't look like they have a lot of capacity. So, we had, I have
0: a, I have a, uh, a meeting I put together every year of just equipment guys and we all get together and, and Norbert um, uh, Beaujol, I can't remember how to say his last name Beaujol, Sorry Norbert, butchering your name but they have a, he came down and gave a presentation on that and, and right now it's designed for a cedar and it uses a Cummings engine and that's that's the whole how how it works and I think they're I want to say it was a 30 foot wide area of uh, grain drill Yeah, is what they've got So they're trying to figure out different ways to do it what's really going to make that autonomous thing take off and really make it go um, is when they have fully electrical capabilities to go out in the field with you know some kind of solar panel or something like that that's going to keep things charged so they can actually go out and work you know 24 7 yeah without having to send a fuel truck out to go fill it up or whatever now you're still going to have grain and and seed and those kind of things you're going to have to deal with with the unloading but you know we're a dealer for a company called smart Ag, yeah I've, I've seen their stuff yeah so kind of yeah. working with the grain cart the yep. autonomy of that one the big hiccup they have right now with their system i mean it works great the big hiccup they have is that when it gets to the trailer um somebody has to jump into into the cab and then you know, and, and unload, unload it yeah so well so i guess that s- part gets figured out and then i mean cause then you go to a
1: whole nother level so you, you can just Like yeah, well, you could think with optical sensors, you could just you know see the pile, pull forward, see the pile. I mean, but as a guy who runs a combine and occasionally will wheel the combine over by the trucks, as soon as you see that little pile of yellow where the grain cart guy ran it over the edge, like you lose you lose all. You're going to come after somebody, even it means you have to come after the autonomous tractor who now spilled grain <laughs> on the ground. But, right, right. Yeah. but it's nice to have a human to get mad at, as opposed to a tractor. Right. But I can see your point. Like you, something has to load the truck. Right. The
2: whole argument is my whole argument is how hard is it to sit in a tractor and not even have to
1: steer it? Anymore? Yeah, we've already got that. That's the well, thing. That's, we've that's already got problem. the auto steer. What well, kind of on your side with this. What one. would yeah. you be doing though? I'd be on my what? phone playing on Twitter. That's what, what I do now. I, <laughs> I just I, I jack around on, on social media. That's why like when you're on
2: Twitter you can tell when it's harvest or planting season. Just, everybody's on there a lot yeah. more than Well, uh, you're,
1: you're, uh, you're in the tractor. You got, I mean, I mean, hell, that's that's how I got to be a fan of podcasts and that's part of why it's like, well, I, I can guarantee you there. you can see charts of, of the downloads, they spike during planting, yeah. harvest, because guys got time. They got they got to kill some stuff, and they're just looking to, to fill those hours. Yep. And, you know, I can't do music for eight hours a day.
2: Well, plus, you, you know, you, you got you a got smartphone and you got auto steer. Yeah. You can do anything on that phone. Yeah, you can train yourself to speak another language. Yeah, you can, you can do all your marketing right you then and there. Yeah. I mean,
1: you just got to sit in the seat. And make sure shit don't come undone. That's exactly right. I mean, well, I've said we're kind of glorified monkeys as it is. I mean, really, at that point, you'd be taking the guy off of the deal so he could go sit at home in his recliner and play on his phone. Right.
0: I I think think it's going to open up doors to
1: more profitable ventures for you. Who's who's going to watch the machine? Well, I think what you're going to see is, I think what it could lead to is these mega farms because – you essentially have a manager, like a like a machine managers, and he's gonna have you know just like you used to see old pictures of these you know everybody had five tractors with one way plows behind know. them. You know, like one operator owned five of these old John Deere whatever, and with a one way, and they would go to their field and all five would work together. And they plow, and they were very efficient. That's how the, the original old big-time operators from the 40s and 50s. Well, imagine if they don't do that now. They're just going to say, well, I don't need six employees. I've got six autonomous tractors, and I've got an iPad. I'm going to sit over here on the corner of this field, and I'm going to plow this field with my five autonomous tractors. And then that one manager is going to be able to cover six farms. Yeah,
0: and that, I think that's the other side of that, too, is you as a, as a farm owner or, or the a cattle operation or whatever it is that yeah. you're gonna focus on, if you could hire someone to say, you know, we're sitting there in in, uh, in in Jared's studio and there's a there's a picture of the United States behind us here of the, of all the states. And that's probably a an eighty four inch screen, right? Yeah. I, I would guess if you were to make it into a have, a, have
1: a smart board. Have a smart
0: board up there and you can put six or seven combines up there or tractors or whatever it is that you're doing. One guy could be sitting here just kinda of monitoring the stuff Listening for whatever it happens and what goes about, you can go out now and buy more cows, yeah. sell more cows, market your grain, go look at land, go do whatever. I mean,
1: you. Well, you probably just waste it. Honestly, I, I <laughs> just goes to be like I just go screw <laughs> off and do something else. But your visual, honestly, when you were talking about that, it reminded it made me think of like the military. You know how they have the those uh, trailers out in yeah. New Mexico, and what do those guys do? They fly drones. Yeah. So why wouldn't why I mean. We go down this rabbit hole, but you could almost outsource your tractor driving to, I'm not saying outsource it to like somebody in an urban area, just like they do with call centers. There'll be some guy in yeah. Indonesia that'll be monitoring my tractor, because he'll do it a hell of a lot cheaper than I will, and all he's doing is he's watching the buzzers, and if something happens, he'll send me a text message that says, hey, go fix your tractor, stupid, and you know he'll hit a button, it'll stop, I'll go out to the field, unplug a row or whatever, when that happens and then and then hit the button and turn it loose I mean but th- why wouldn't we just outsource that to some call center in, in exactly. India exactly so that's just like so it'd be just like a car right so once it gets to that
0: point yeah and when, when you get fully autonomous cars right and you can yeah. just go and get in your car and it's going to take you to the grocery store you get everything get your stuff get back a the car and go why would you ever own a car you don't need it I mean you're just like I'm yeah. going to push this button a car is going to show up. I'm going to get in the car. Take, I'm going to go to the wherever.
1: Uber. You know, I Uber mean, if I, li- if I lived in a big metropolitan area and I didn't travel, I probably wouldn't know a car. So just Uber your farm equipment is going to be the same way. When you're yeah. outsourced it to some dude in Indi- Indonesia or wherever. And- they'll just be, you think there'll be companies that just have these autonomous tractors that they just basically have to take to someone's farm. So that brings up an interesting question. You guys are going down to the custom harvester deal. Mm-hmm. How long before the custom harvesters get autonomous combines like a one guy with instead of having a harvest crew he's got a maintenance guy and his autonomous fleet and he goes and harvest custom harvest to me yeah I don't think it's that far
0: away really when they get the technology to do it now the flip side of that is though those people
1: love what they do. Yeah, they do. You know so, I mean? so do a lot of farmers. Like right. that's, yep. that's that's ingrained. That it's, maybe it's not, not. Maybe even, not my kids or my kids' kids because they wouldn't have. They didn't grow up on a forty. on rest of a forty four forty. Right. But
0: but they love what they do.
1: Yeah. So
0: it's not so much even the cutting of the wheat or the corn or whatever it is they're doing. It's the run yep you know it's the run it's the journey you know what i mean so that that part will there'll be something that that you see there it's a generational thing i think when you think it'll kind of be
1: like the old i mean and i've seen this in my lifetime you know there was the old cowman, like you know that grew up a horseback and when i was a kid he was still he was still alive and going to sale barns you know he he grew up when he was a kid gathering cattle working them. everything was done horseback everything was you know to his his life got to the point where he was driving a pickup. You know, he'd seen everything. We're going to kind of be like that in the in the equipment age. And that we saw row markers. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that start that are farming now that might know what a row marker is, but didn't spend all day following one. So I think about it from a generational standpoint. Yeah. I'll give you a good example. <clears throat> um, my
0: dad has a, a 1985 two wheel drive Ford F two fifty pickup, right? No yeah. single cab, and we're out. But he's got five acres. He's got a big he's got a big garden. We were picking whatever we were doing throwing throwing in the back, and it was hot day, right? Yeah. So I'm crank, you know, hand crank, crank down the window, and then flip the old, the visor. The yeah, window, the little the, the corner, old the little window. Little wing window. The wing window. I flip it open, and it's yep. you know, blowing on me. Yeah, the old school like. in air air my son is twelve now, and he was probably eight when this story took place. But he's like, Dad, I'm I'm hot. I'm like, well, roll right down the window, and I'm I'm talking to my dad, and he's like, Dad, I'm just I'm still hot, Dad. I'm like. Roll down, you know to roll down the window. And he's, like, looking all over the handle trying to find the button to roll down the window. Wow. Because he'd never been in a handcraft yeah. thing before.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's, it'll be yeah. the exact same experience for some of these kids when they get in a, a tractor, you know, that doesn't have auto steer. So my
0: son's generation, when he's you know 25 years old or whatever, and he's going out to the workforce and working, the idea of firing up your phone... To do everything, and yet your world, like my son and my daughter and my other son, will have no no idea what it's like to have a machine operate where you take something, put it in a machine, and you get something out of it, like you know, a cassette tape or a CD or whatever. It's true. They'll never. Know it's all. Know. It'll
1: all be networked and connected.
0: They'll be like half the time. Like I help him with homework, mm-hmm. and. It's been a long
1: time since I have done fifth grade math. You know, so <laughs> well, <and> some <laughs> of the convoluted fifth grade math now you can't answer. Oh man, it's it's dumb shit. Like, tell us why you think this answer should be right, but right? <laughs> so stupid.
0: But a lot of that stuff, you know, I'll spend time on on Google. Yeah, I go to Google like, how do you do? Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah
1: or you can go to YouTube and be like, here's how you work this math problem. Yeah, and in
0: two minutes, I'm like, oh, okay, I do remember this now.
1: Yeah, it's really when you it, it'll blow your mind when you think about it every human on the planet well not every human but for the most part anybody with a cell phone has all the information ever collected by humans in this right there in their their hand since written history yes so I I mean and it really begs the question how much are we you know how much do you need to know you like,
2: need to know is how to type it into Google the right way right, <laughs> to find it as fast <laughs> you're as you exactly can.
0: Exactly right. And that's that's what's going to. Because that's what I always tell everybody I have a doctorate in Google. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah.
2: finish college, but I have a doctorate in Google, and that's all I
0: mean. So that's when you're going to start seeing.
1: For like ten when years. You, you think that like when that years. generation comes into the into play of making the decisions, not only about what you're going to do, but how you're going to do it, right? It's all going to be driven by, well, I mean. If I can't do it with this yeah. you know, or I can't do it with So iPad. we'll be the old people sitting there screaming at them about, well, back in our day, we didn't yeah. need all that crap that you have on there. Yep. That's mm, that's, that's my,
0: exactly where we're going to be. <laughs> that's my vision. You know, I mean, that's that's what I think. So when you sit there and you, and you think about all the things that are coming down the pipe, I mean, you watch that stuff from, uh, what's that, um, Boston
1: technologies or whatever that is oh yeah where the the, like the the dog robots are jumping all up and down boxes and shit you gotta you gotta get a six foot tall robot that can run a four three forty and jump over a damn garage (laughs) i mean that exists man i'd like to see him see him working Uh, cattle and some of that yeah i mean you know and this brings it up the next point is if 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 we get so good at, at outsourcing like the farming aspect but land and everything's too expensive to do it here. Just do it offshore. I mean, you guys have probably traveled more than I have, but that's my biggest fear: is that there's some guy in Russia, there's some guy in South America that are willing to work for a hell of a lot less than what we are. Oh yeah, and and it's already happening, but oh, they wow. just haven't. They haven't. It's almost like they haven't turned the volume up on that yet. Right. So like again, mm-hmm. back to South Africa when I was over there. Yeah.
0: They don't use flex heads to cut corn head, or to cut uh, soybeans. Really? They use just a rigid.
1: It's the head. platform.
0: And you know why? Because it, it's cheaper to have the hire 50 people with burlap sacks to walk through the field and pick what they missed up off the ground and was still on the stem.
1: Than it is to buy a flex, head. To buy a flex head? they can put 50 that's, people That's on pure the field. economics and in, in, in action.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, the same thing. Like, we'll go to, like, I've been into, like, uh, Romania and, and Ukraine and those kind of areas. And, and it's been. It's, it's a whole different thing you know like they they take a cow in ukraine mm-hmm. and instead of turning it out in the field you know you put electric wire up or whatever on corn stalks or mm-hmm. stubble or whatever you know turn them out and let them eat that it's just cheaper for them to take a steak drive it in the ground and put a 25 foot rope on it and let them they basically
1: just like circle graze and then move the stake. Yeah, and that's what they do. It's no. Rotational grazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But> literally, <laughs> stuff is like exactly. That,
0: that's and then at night they'll get the cow, bring it in, milk it in the morning or whatever. And, yeah, you know, and then
1: stick. It it's closer up. to like the old subsistence ways. Right. But but you know, imagine if you had some money and 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 a good satellite signal, go over there and just start picking up farms and. and you know, same way I got my fleet of tractors and they're just going to go, go farm it. Dude, the ground. It. And, and so there was like, a big
0: boom with that,
1: correct? Yeah, there, was a, there was. a
0: lot of American. $12 corn was
1: fueling that. Right. Co- Sorry, $12 corn. $8 corn was fueling. $12, $12 is $12. when it gets high next time. Yeah, <laughs> $12 beans. But that's, that's what, what you, you saw. saw. And then we'll be <laughs> testing $7 corn. You saw yeah. a lot of guys
0: in Iowa, Illinois, Indiana sold every ground piece of ground they had and took it all down to Brazil.
1: Yeah, they just cashed out. Yeah. Said this, the game's over. We're going to Brazil. We're going to start farming down there. And I think that would be hard. I think it'd be hard to go to another country like that. I mean, if your family went with you, it's one thing. But you can't. You're not going to take like your parents, your yeah. sisters, your cousins, your brothers. You're not going to take your whole family. Like you're going.
0: Well, you don't well, know either what the government's going to decide to do one day. Like, all right, we're going to nationalize. All the farm ground in Brazil now, and they love, they just lose yeah. it. All right, so you guys can still keep working it, but we'll let you know how much we're going to pay you. You know, go. Sorry about. I know you guys invested millions of dollars <laughs> down here, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, no, I could definitely see
1: that. mean, well, that's you hear about that. I mean, that's that's a that's a real thing. I wonder how many people bought land down there and then showed up and there was somebody else already farming it. Uh, well, they show up and it's dense. Rainforest that they have to clear out, I and mean, they yeah. can't even
0: operate for... I mean, I don't even... I, I would have guessed, I'm guessing here, that it would take probably, what, seven years probably to really get cleared all the way out and then really... Oh, yeah. Out. I mean, fuck it. from an infrastructure standpoint and everything else, that before you really got a profitable crop off the field.
2: Yeah. Well, not only that, but remember when I sold all that equipment to those guys in Ghana? Oh, yeah. That whole... Yep. There was a firm in England that had bought a bunch of bought a bunch of ground in Ghana, Africa. Really? And cleared it all and bought a whole line of used equipment from me, shipped it over there and they got I think they got everything planted and they had I want to say like five farm workers and everybody got killed. By the you know the <laughs> yeah, gorillas okay. yeah like you see on TV you know twelve guys riding in this little white compact pickup yeah AK forty seven they just show up and they got killed and that stuff is just that was it equipment's probably just sitting there yeah, like whoever wants it, come there. it they went and checked one time or knew somebody who snuck out there and the windows were shot out of these. 9,000 T John Deere tractors and wow. 4830 was all shot up. and <laughs> it's just your war zone. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, you're dealing with a whole different society and society on top of society on top of society. And probably in a like of them other places. If you don't pay the warlord, you can't find yeah, that quarter ground. Exactly. That you yeah. know, the same thing. Yeah. Not the same, but similar situation with the. Instability in Russia, Ukraine, oh, yeah. and all that.
0: <laughs> That's thing. It's all about. I mean, you walk, you go over there, and you start talking to somebody about whatever. I don't know how many times in Romania, Ukraine, where you're talking to what they call the, the head engineer, you know, uh-huh. of the of these big massive farms, and they're like, you know, if you were to. Kind of take care of me a little bit here. I'd make sure that these got sold to you. Do you think there, there's a lot of backdoor oh, like <laughs> bribes? Dude, it's like uh, you might as well just walk around with a stack of cash and be like, <laughs> okay, "Here you go." Have I'll, you? I'll bet you talk? that's right. Okay, So <clears throat> just tell me when to stop, so we can just keep going here. I mean, it's
1: it, there's a lot of that. I'll bet. Yeah, it's, it's huge that's a, a that's a that's a whole another level of like you we know, corruption and some of that oh, stuff yeah. that. And
0: the thing about it too, in the countries like that, is that you're dealing with people that have had to do that kind of stuff to survive because of the economic well, yeah. and the governmental I mean, system. It, you know, communism was one of those things where they basically trained everyone you had to steal or you're gonna to starve to death. Yeah. Especially in Ukraine where they shipped everything from Ukraine to Russia. I mean
1: that's that'd be a rough you know a rough way to go. I mean if you had to grow up and that was your business environment. Yeah. Yeah, I could. I could. I'd never thought of it in that way, but yeah. they, that was a, their survival mechanism. Yeah. And and now, if even if you open it up, they still got all those ways that they learned how to do things. Yep, yeah.
0: and it's a generational thing too. I mean, yeah. the guys that are going to come in and gals that are going to come in that are the young twenty somethings now, mm-hmm. how they think and operate will be so much different because most of the people that are operating with now are either grew up entirely in communism or born towards the tail end of it and they still have you know some really subconscious roots into that oh yeah the ones that haven't ever grown up in it are going to have a completely different mindset yeah than, than what
1: they are that would be just a weird deal if you if your country that you lived in was you know was once a country and then it collapsed and and, yeah. and now it's just it would be like if, you know the United States went away and somebody talked about well I, I'm here in Oklahoma You know, I got some cousins that we used to keep in contact with that lived out in Utah, but we don't talk to them now because you got to cross eight international borders to get to them. Right. Like, that would be a weird scenario. Yeah. So, it's it's a, I don't know, farming is going to have such a
0: a dramatic change, not only in the United States over the next five or ten years, but just across the whole world. Yeah. Countries like, I mean, you talk about a continent like Africa. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so rich in natural resources, whether it's the Sahara Desert all the way down to the, you know, Horn of Africa. I mean that, and it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. They mm-hmm. have it's a rainforest, right? So yeah. You have ample rain. You've got plenty of plenty of organic matter in the in the soils. I mean, you've got diamonds and platinum and gold and silver. It's kind of like just, the
1: the Earth's largest CRP. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, if you want to really think about yep. it in terms of that, it's, it's the Earth's largest CRP program because it's yep. just sitting there waiting to be developed or, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what China's doing. That's what they've been moving into. I mean, yeah. since
0: God, 20 years now, I mean, since they've really kind of ramped up their economic production, they're in Nigeria buying up oil production. They're, yeah. you know, clearing ground to
1: grow to grow their own crops in Africa so they can take them back to China. Yeah. And they're I looking mean, at it from a long-term perspective. Uh, they they're the long they're, they're they don't bro. care about yeah. the next 5, 10 years. I mean, we'll lose the next 20 if we can win the next 1,000. Yeah. I mean, they're going to they're looking at the long game for sure. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, and that's that's almost comical whenever you know it's like oh we're going to get in a in a short term tariff war with them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Good luck with that point. one. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only way they could really, I mean,
0: you're starting to see some now where their their stock market stuff has been off. Quite yeah. Bad, no, know, I think it's Wednesday. I think it's hurting them. And the middle class in China is used to having money now, and, yeah. they're, and they're used to having you know meat on Tuesday because it's Tuesday, not because it's some special, whatever. Yeah, well, Not only that, but there is a middle class.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> see, know, that's, that's, first and that's, foremost, that's a, cause there that's a huge thing yeah. is as those people get more affluent. I mean, that's one thing that I look at the cattle industry as being in a position of, of really taking off is, you know, there's a lot of people in the world that want this protein. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can promise you that, you know, and I've had this discussion, I don't remember who it was, I just had a long one about lab meat. And I don't know that it's going to take off because if if you just arrived at the point in society when you could buy meat, and somebody said, "Well, we're going to give you fake meat," I would be pissed. I'd right. be like, "I I strive to get to the <laughs> yeah. to right. the level that yeah. I can have a damn steak, yeah. and now you're trying to give me this crap that's not real meat." You know,
0: yeah. that's but, but yeah, they've got yeah. You're right. I mean that the whole fake meat thing and and this whole idea of of that somehow you're going to have. Just some alternative way to to eat a ribeye steak to me is just not
1: something I'm interested in doing. No, at all. I don't think so either. No, I, it'll be interesting. I think it's I think it's cool to go down these rabbit holes of what what could be. Yeah, just because it's a uh, there's no answer. No, <laughs>
0: good thing not. about them you never. I mean, you can't really be wrong. But you're mm-hmm. never really right either, but. Oh, we'll be right when you're buying me lunch in five years. No, I don't think so. Like, you know the one thing you're forgetting, and it, it's
2: it's imperative if you've ever watched a movie in the last 30 years. Uh-huh. What about Rise of the Machines? You want all this autonomous stuff, and we have Rise of the Machines.
0: Well, I don't feel so good about your free lunch, will you? Well, that, I mean, that documentary Terminator wasn't pretty good. <laughs> yes, documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Not well for everybody there, you know. But there's a... Uh, there There is going to be a technology boom that we've generationally have never seen. you know it's, hmm.
1: When
0: I think about the differences between my generation and my dad's generation, except for where we're at now. there wasn't a, a big gargantuan like, change in in technology, you know, I mean, the first twenty years of my life anyway. But you look at my dad and my grandpa. Yeah, they had that huge. I mean, job. There wasn't much.
1: They, I mean had a computer. And it kind of showed up. You know, mm-hmm. took. Well, but that but you go back far enough, and they went from the, like the automobile. Yeah, you know, they, they they had the horses to steam engines to yeah. to automobiles. Yeah, that would have been a that's a trip. Huge, trip. Yeah. I remember my dad had a. He worked for a
0: company and he had to had a, a laptop computer that was about as big as a suitcase and mm-hmm. it weighed about eighty pounds. Yep, and. He's, I don't remember what he was selling. He sold something. Anyway, you flip it open and you type in this calculation. And you had to go let it run overnight to run the simple like Excel spreadsheet. like some <laughs> thing, you, <know? laughs> yep. and you had to go to bed and wake up in the morning and hope to God you didn't make a mistake when you typed it in. Because otherwise it would take another, another five hours. Yeah, the processing power. So you start thinking about that. Now you're like, I, I caught myself the other day doing this. The internet was slow. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God dang it. Freaking internet's horrible out here, you
1: know. But then I start thinking about like 1995 when you yeah, when the, you had AOL and you were trying to download a picture and it was line, line, line. Yeah, right. And
0: that was the greatest. I was like, this is so awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah. but the, the worst thing was is when you downloaded a picture and it wasn't any good. and You're like, damn it. Yeah. Another, no, 10 I just wasted five minutes on this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's I, I my uh, mom is. By trade, she was a computer science professor over here at the college. Kind of, she actually kinda of helps launch the program over there. But when I was a little bitty she had run up and down the halls and stuff in the in the university, they had entire rooms with the mainframes and the and the old reel to reel program oh, you know, like yeah. that was the software's yeah. they put the tape on there and and the old punch card computers. I mean it was and now, you know, one cell phone's got more than all those computers yeah. combined. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, there's more
0: computing power in your cell phone than yourself, so, they had to land a man on the moon. Yeah, and that blows yeah. your mind. So, and yet
1: we're not, and yet we're not landing people on the moon all right. with all this awesome stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly right. Well, so you guys are headed to Amarillo. What are you going to talk about there? What's, gonna... what's your what's your what's your platform? What's you what is your your speech or your?
0: I'm going to talk about kind of the like the state of the used car marketplace. Yeah, and kind of some of the trend lines I see developing and how that's going to affect the value of used equipment. And Aaron is going to hit on kind of like dollars work.
2: versus hour ranges, specs, how specs affects value you know,
1: and realistic I, value. Not that's a huge thing for those guys. Cause they're, they're running that equipment X number of hours and they've got to know at the end of harvest, where are they going to be at? Right. You know, are they going to be in a sweet spot or are they going to be sitting there with everybody else so I mean that probably helps them at least a custom harvester of when you buy that piece of equipment what's your start number because you need to figure out where you're going to end up at the back end yeah I'm going to hit because I'm a nerd like that but I'll I'll
0: hit a lot of just data points yeah that talk about kind of what I see happening and what if you know the way that the curve is now on the chart and if you you know add some stuff over here what does that do and then all of a sudden you know are we are we in a position where we're going to have so much on both ends and on, not enough in the middle that it's going to, um, you know, how, how's that going to affect what you see out there? So if you have, for example, more three hundred hour and less machines over here than you do five or seven so hundred hour machines over here mm-hmm. to buy, you're going to have to go find more guys that have five or seven hundred hour machines to trade in so that you can buy this, so that the guy that then trading in the Whatever the thousand hour machine or twelve hundred hour machine, will have something to buy. Yeah. If you don't have it, because it's like you know, a chain, you got to have every link in it. Yeah. The best way to do it is front load here at the beginning of the year with the, with the low hour stuff, mm-hmm. and then go out and find everybody. And then by the end of the year, it's you're you're switched over here to the to the high side of the hour range. Yeah. Unfortunately, right now we are sitting at the high side of the hour range, and that has a lot to do with the fact of strictly because of, of what the machine population
1: looks like. Yeah. And it's kinda it's kinda gotta almost like regenerate. You yeah. gotta those gotta go away and new ones have to be built to come right back into that platform. Yeah. And what we
0: saw in like two thousand nine and ten mm-hmm. was that we saw everything get front loaded on this end over here, but there wasn't much on the other end of it because everybody had so much money that they were Taking their ninety six hundred and trading in on a brand new ninety seven seventy, yeah, and just like skipping their natural like flow of equipment, you know,
1: that was tough. I, bet that, I or, bet that or jumping to an S, yeah, yeah, and that was the hardest part of it. I'll because you had a whole it. bunch of stuff. If if somebody's going to buy an S, they're not. There's nobody in the market for that sixty seventy series. Yeah. I was. I'm. I'm that guy that's like picking up crumbs. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm that cheap bastard.
0: <laughs> that, was, that was the hard part of the, the that that presented as much of an issue yeah. in the equipment marketplace as is any other issue that we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was who who's going to buy late model stuff, lower hour stuff? Because even mm-hmm. like, see, you're picking up the crumbs or whatever. The crumbs you're picking up are a lot nicer than
1: oh hell a yeah, hell nice a lot nicer crumbs than what. Than what you had? Yeah, right? no, that's exactly right. And I mean, I, I, had a, I had a ninety six ten that I bought, and I think it was on sale because somebody had they hadn't kept the mice out of the cab, and it was you know it was something that I think they were just trying to offload, and I got it cheap, and and hung a ton of little Christmas tree air fresheners in it for years because that's what I could afford. But then when I when I got out of it, yeah, getting into a sixty seventy series, that was like Cadillac, mm-hmm. you know. So, I, yeah, it's all about perspective. Yep. And, I, and I, I, have a, I have a rule most generally. I try not to get in anything really new and nice because once I drive that, then I have that experience. It's hard to go back. <laughs> so if, if you just don't get in the nice stuff, like if, but, you know, if you're in an 8400 and you get in a 20, 30 series or you get in, you know, you get in a, the, the very first R, you're like, that's pretty awesome. Right. You know, it's still new to me. so. I don't yeah. know if that's the right way to do it. It works. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's,
0: I'm, I'm a firm believer in trade cycles, and mm-hmm. people need to stick to those trade cycles, because if you, it, it, there are certain certain folks that are because of their operation mm-hmm. are going to be that one to two years going to do like this, and then there's other folks that are going to be in that three to five year range, and so on and so forth down the line, and when those it's like an ecosystem, I guess. For yeah, that's, right that's a great way to put when it. When any of those things get out of whack, it jacks something up so bad someplace that it's you have to do something drastic to make it come back. Yeah, and that's that's probably the easiest way to to explain.
1: And that's where you see those those big fire sales where it's like, yeah. hey, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of all this stuff to just clean clean it up. And that's what you saw
0: in in, in 2014, 2016 when there was a lot of equipment auctions. Mm-hmm. You know. $10, 15 million dollars at a time, just all of Rich yeah. Brothers and Sullivan's and Big Iron everybody else were just all the time having those. And it was strictly because everyone got away from their traditional trade cycle. Yeah. You know, I can afford a new combine and I can finally get that new combine. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna go get that new combine. Yeah. And I think you know And it wasn't just combines, shit it was everything, everything. planters, you know, sprayers, tractors, gators. gators. Yeah. Yeah. I mean every year I'm there for a while on a planner it was like what what else could we possibly hang on that? Make it yeah. make it something else cool. Like I'm a I'm a I'm a gun guy, so I like like you know, like the AR fifteen and stuff like that. You With can just sit stuff. there
1: and keep putting stuff like, on the rails. Some and... people
0: do that, like they have the laser and the flashlight and the this and the that and everything else and I'm like, How do you even use that thing? man I mean <laughs> how, you shoot the gun. Or do you even like how do you aim it? And so it's Same kind of thing with those planners. You get the Orthman One tripper tied to the twenty four row planner and then you got this and the that's and you got so on and so forth and yep you know, the two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand dollar planner wasn't uncommon in two thousand twelve. I mean, But now you're looking at Two by two,
2: infuril oh, rear rear split dude. discharge and three surefires to run it all. Shadow on.
0: tracker on the back. Yeah, you know, I mean, God bless. It's just like how much?
1: How much could I possibly yeah. stick on? What's going to really piss them off is when somebody takes an old eight row seventy three hundred planter and runs right next to him, and there's a two bushel yield difference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. You know, right. and it's not even like double. It's just the old springs that hung on like bolt ends. Yeah, and that was yeah. Not even know, the adjustable because That's- there will be years that man. Just that old piece of junk will go out there and maybe you know maybe it makes less bushels, but is that enough to justify all the other stuff? I mean, I I kind of went down that road, you know, e-set precisions and went to the, you know, kept putting little things on there, but I kind of stopped it at v-set and and some clean sweeps. I didn't, I haven't went full down pressure, everything on the back. I mean, I guess if I ever change, maybe I'll do that, but I just can't see. Where I strip till and I'm planting in a little metal mellow strip anyway. It's like I don't I don't know why I can't just hang a spring and it'll stay just as steady, with the exception of a wheel track or something like that. But yeah. you know, I just can't in my operation, planting in a circle and doing everything like that, I can't see that there's the benefit. Yeah. You know. But if but if I was no tilling soybeans on crazy angles to everything, you know, I get why the guys in the Midwest have it. Right. No, they—they're a whole different ball game. But right. out here, it's just like, eh. I might go get a seventy-three hundred. What's over with? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's and that's the other thing too. Is I mean, there's
0: a there's a whole segment of the world that, again, back to the whole ecosystem mm-hmm. kind of thing is. So many of those planters got sold in twenty. I mean, every used planter, pretty much. There was a big planters just glove. got sold on auction. Yeah, and now, the used marketplace because there weren't enough new ones to get put back out there. What we're seeing now is you're, you're taking in trade on on, uh, and it's, this is the crazy thing about that. Somebody bought a planter in 2014 with, I don't know, whatever, 7,500 acres on it or yeah. 10,000 acres on it or something like that. They bought it in 2014 and used it for five planting seasons and, and probably are getting about the same amount of money on trade that they bought it for at the auction and they put uh, 25,000 more acres on it. Yeah, no you know? kidding. So that's that shows you the demand that's out there for used planters. I mean, now, Interesting. It's, it's a, it's, it is a very much a, a uh, relative thing. I mean, it's it's one of those deals where you, uh, when you start looking at like a, a 70 series planter compared to a 75 series planter or a 20 or to a 25 mm-hmm. or whatever it is, and, and you start looking at electric row units and those kind of things and, and all the different stuff that comes with that, the, it's amazing how much those hold that holds their value compared to what I've seen on auction anyway with with machines that have full blown precision setups on. Yeah. And again, it comes back to how you set your planner up. Yeah.
1: How he wants his planner set. Yeah, do. and everybody's different, and that's a problem with like, like the precision stuff. What I've seen is by the like what what I considered cutting edge three years ago now. It's almost a hindrance if it's on the planter because it's obsolete. Like, oh, why are you using hydraulic road drive? Like, you know, I'm not some caveman. I don't want that crap. <laughs> right. I, I, I need every one of those units on electric motor. Wow. I mean, and and like you said, it it was it was a catch meow three or four years ago or whatever the number is. You know, and but it because there's something better that becomes worth less. Yeah, and what you spend really. In 10 and so, when you had the
0: you know, every row clutches and half-width disconnect, right? Oh boy, you can, you those are the best things since
1: they, they yeah. take 12 rows and, and shut you, them off. And you do have chains and you get pro shafts. I remember people yeah. were like, ah, I don't have those skips anymore, I got these pro shafts, yeah. and it's like now you can see you could buy a uh, 14 pallets of pro of, of those, you know, all it's amazing. You go on big iron, some of these ones, and there's just pallets and pallets of brand new parts off of the oh, because yeah. it's like. We don't want this garbage. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> a it's an amazing thing to watch the evolution of equipment and how, how it goes from one extreme. To you another. could almost make a, a case is kind of like junkyard wars if you if you bought enough pieces you or like a Johnny Cash Cadillac. I wonder yep. if you could buy enough pieces and build one. Oh, absolutely! Build one for half the cost of, of buying one. If if you watch enough, you know, especially
2: auction time, big iron. You know the online ones. Uh-huh. You can buy, and you got a couple weekends to run around and pick all the shit up. You could probably buy a whole planter. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, you probably have to buy a frame from from somebody else, but you could almost maybe a frame and yeah, have them in the base row units and yeah. you know, pro
0: shafts and we'll seed star
2: drive part. systems and everything on there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can find. You can go to any of these places. You go know, get like a, like a Wilrich bar, or a Craftsman yeah. bar, or mm-hmm. something like that. You can find something like that somewhere. That See, can, well, that's you know. what
1: that'll be the next thing. We need like a Jesse James of the farm equipment world. <laughs> Somebody that'll take it and and hot rod it out and take a little, you know, put a logo on the side of it and be like, hey, this is a this is authentic, you know. <laughs> the, yep. you know, carve your name into it. I don't know. It is kind of weird though. Here's what I get. It's funny to me how everybody has stayed with the color scheme John Deere's always green and case is always red you know but like ideals gonna be what dark brown I don't even know gray or whatever they right. is but why hadn't somebody been like you know what we're gonna make a John Deere tractor that's red Dude, just because we can't man like why don't we why don't we just why don't we have multiple multiple color I mean you can get a car no that's one. Did, everybody's Fent. car was the same color
2: yeah Fent does that you can get white you can get blue.
1: You know? Get whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, think it's, it's like five, five grand. You can get it whatever color you want. I run a yellow grain trailer just because I didn't want to be like everybody else. <laughs> a yellow <laughs> and
0: a red one. You don't, you don't pay fifty grand or sixty grand for a new a new pickup truck, and you can you have about fifteen colors you can pick from. Yeah, I've never. I've always wondered that, man. Like maybe I want a yellow tractor with green wheels. You know? yeah. Let's, let's go crazy
1: I do, I do like whenever those people take like a you know a case Steiger and they'll paint it green or you know just to, oh, and yeah. I, just as a mess to mess with people mm-hmm. Or they'll take a you know a John Deere and paint it red yeah but, I like the
0: uh, my favorite color though I'll be honest with you when it comes to farm equipment is, is the roadside orange that you see on on like a County, the old, the old, the state state the old that, I don't like that. That was a statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you don't think like you even get that anymore. Huh? You yeah, it. you can. Yeah. yeah, you can order yep. it that
2: way. You can get like yeah. six M's in yellow and yellow, orange. Really?
1: See, I That's, think the old, uh, the old Steiger color was always yeah, cool. Yeah. Hell yes. I think I, I liked how Case would just still occasionally go out and throw a, you know, throw a Steiger paint job on some of those. Yeah. You know, but, yeah you know, with the American
0: flag set up and all that stuff mm-hmm. That's Yeah, cool. Yeah. I think we've
1: uh, I think we've beaten to death here, buddy. <laughs> I think so too <laughs> well thanks for stopping in I'm glad you guys stopped into Texoma this is cool no this is awesome I've always
0: wanted to I wanted to anytime I'm down someplace where there's somebody I you know somebody I know
1: I want to make sure to stop and get them on a podcast and Hey, and do that. I'm glad I got. I was excited to see your setup and how you do it, because that's, you know, you learn so much more just by seeing what everybody else is doing. Be like, I'm gonna copy that. I'm gonna steal that idea. <laughs> steal away, buddy. Steal no. away. So
0: awesome. Well, Jared's been great, man, and thanks for having us down here. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks, thanks for stopping time. in. So we will uh we'll catch you down the road, buddy. Sounds good. All right.